0: Today on Growing Grace, we give attention to God's great love for you and me.
1: Now, Jesus Christ didn't leave heaven to suffer because he felt obliged to put up with us for all eternity. No, he came to suffer and die because he could not stand to live without us. Puts it in a different light, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you have great value. You have great worth. You matter to God. Zion I all now build with hands And in this place Got to dwell with man Sick be
0: And the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built With the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice For everyone Faith, hope, love And harmony I said let this world Know me by your Sometimes new believers are given the impression that the life in Christ is free from pain and difficulty, but nothing could be further from the truth. Throughout the Christian life, we experience grief, trials, and pain, but the good news is that one day our sorrow will be turned into joy. That promise from Christ is in front of us today on Grow in Grace. Welcome to each of you as our study of John continues. Our plan today is to cover verses 16 through 33 of chapter 16. Jesus is in the final hours of his life and ministry and has something important to convey to us about his love. Here's Pastor Ed Ray to read the passage to us.
1: We are in John chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it is the night that he'll be arrested. A little while, and you will not see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says, a little while, and you will not see me. And in a little while, you will see me, because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore... What is this that he says a little while? We do not understand. We don't grasp what it is that he's trying to tell us. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while? You'll not see me. And again, a little while you will. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A one- When she has in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now may have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative, like parables, language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, for the Father himself is fond of you. That's literally what it says. It's the word filejo Everywhere else, John uses the word agape, which is a self-sacrificing love. This love means I like you. God likes you, really, for the Father himself likes you because you have loved me and have believed that I come forth from God. I came again from the Father and I have come again into the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. His disciples said to him, see, now you're speaking plainly and using no figures of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you have come forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Really? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and it's now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And again, Lord, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to teach us now that we might leave this place differently than the way we came in. We ask that in Jesus' name and all of God's people. Agreed by saying, Amen. Amen, Maybe you heard the interview of the guy in the Midwest who was 100 years old and his name was Hanson, John Hanson. And TV reporter was sent out to interview him. And he complimented John on how healthy he looked, how fit. And he said, tell us your secret. He said, well, my secret of my success is I've been walking in the open air every evening for 75 years now. And the reporter was impressed and said, how did he manage to keep up all that exercise? He said, well, you see, my wife and I were married 75 years ago. And on our wedding night, we made a solemn love pledge Whenever we had a fight, the one who was proved wrong would go outside and take a walk. Okay, where we are in the scripture today, Jesus has been introducing the Holy Spirit to his 11 disciples. And now he's going to tell them about three of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. The result of having the Holy Spirit living in you, you can experience love and joy and peace. Now, these words are loaded and oftentimes we hear words or or they fail us we don't know exactly what we're trying to say so we say something like i'm so hungry i could eat a horse now that's not good to say at my house because my wife likes horses and i'm not planning on eating a thousand pounds of horse meat anyway and horses don't taste good don't ask me how i know that so Sometimes we say things like, I love you to death. But really, you're not saying, I love you so much, I'll kill you. <laughs> We're saying, my death, you know, I'll, I'll die for you kind of a thing. So words that are loaded, they are important to us. God loves you to death. Ooh. It was the death of Jesus Christ on a cross that proved his love about you and about me. So we are looking at a verse here, that's one of the most stunning about the word love that I think is in all of Scripture. It's verse 27, and it speaks about God being fond of you. It's the only place in Scripture that I can find where it says God's love towards you, towards me, is phileo, and it means like. It means to delight in someone. God delights in you. Wow, that's pretty unusual, and in fact, I don't hear people saying that to one another. I hear people say all the time, God loves you. But no one says God likes you. Now, Jesus Christ didn't leave heaven to suffer because he felt obliged to put up with us for all eternity. (laughs) No. He came to suffer and die because he could not stand to live without us. Puts it in a different light, doesn't it? All of a sudden you have great value, you have great worth, you matter to God. If you take the scriptures literally, which is the only way I know how to take them, but Psalm 139 says, he put you together inside your mother's womb. We all have complaints about what he could have done better. You know, I'm too tall, I'm too short, my nose is too big, it's too small, my ears are too big, they're too, you know, stuff. But God says, I love you just the way you are. Did you know God is a songwriter? Scripture tells us that God writes songs. About what? You. Zephaniah says, he will, this is Zephaniah 317. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over you with song. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with his singing. He's singing a song that he wrote about you. Hmm, God likes you. Think about it, ponder it as we go through this section of scripture this morning. It's not an idea you can just wrap your mind around because we all have the, these resistances to it. We know who we are, and, and we think, no, no, no. God wouldn't like to spend time with me. Maybe he didn't have a good junior high experience, you know? Nobody wanted to be your friend, kind of a thing. So, You think less of yourself than you want. You think there's something wrong with you. Or maybe your father was not a good example of what the heavenly father is to you. And so I'm asking you to set aside some preconceived notions that you came in with this morning. At least put them out on the table and look at them and think about them and, and consider the possibilities of what Jesus is saying here to his disciples. Ponder it. Dare to believe it. God likes you. So we've been traveling through the Gospel of John's high ground, someone called it. It starts in chapter 13, goes through 17, and it is Jesus' upper room discourse, or some call it the Last Supper sermon. It is his last bit of instructions to his disciples before he's going to be arrested the same night. It's his farewell address, if you will. And so there's a number of things he wants to tell them about and show them. You'll remember starting in chapter 13, the first thing he did is he washed their feet. Their master gets down in front of them and washes their dirty feet to teach them about how to serve people. And then they begin to leave the supper the Last Supper, and they go across town. If you've been to Israel, you know the Last Supper room is on the far side of the city, and you have to walk all the way through the city to go right past the temple to go into the eastern gate down to the Kidron Valley and then up into the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be arrested. So that's the picture. they they finished, they've left at the end of chapter 14, the upper room, it says, let's go. They went out. And then they walked across the city, and they passed this big gate that was the front of Herod's temple. It was covered with gold, and in relief, there was a vine of solid gold, carved gold, with gold grapes on it, solid gold, that were hanging as high as a man is tall. And so we think that when he walked by there, he's, he looked at the vine, he said, "I am the vine." And you're the branches. And my father is the vine dresser. Stay connected to me. If you'll stay connected, abide in me. If you stay connected, then I'll abide in you. I'll stay connected with you. And amazing things are going to happen in your life. And he walks a little further. And now they're approaching, it would seem, the eastern gate where they're going to go down. And he is no longer talking about the grapevine. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he introduces them to the Holy Spirit. We looked at in the first 15 verses last time.
0: This is Grow in Grace, and we're going through John with Pastor Ed Ray. As we begin the second half of today's message from chapter 16, we'll start at verse 19.
1: Now he's about ready to tell them about what it means to have the Holy Spirit in your life. The result of having the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside us. And maybe you've not experienced that, but that's God's promise. that when we surrender to him, say God, forgive my sins, take my life. He said I'll take out your heart of stone, I'll put in a heart of flesh. I'll write my law of love on your heart, and I'll Put my spirit within you, ah, the Holy Spirit, and then I'll cause you to walk in my ways. That's an astounding phrase to me. But it's been my experience, and many of you understand that. He begins to change our want to, and we find ourselves desiring to do the right thing, and we don't enjoy what we used to do, and we want to take credit for it. Well, I'm so holy now. You know, God, you're lucky to have me. <laughs> No, no. In fact, Paul said just the opposite. He said, God has chosen the foolish things of the world, that would be you and I, to confound the wise, the weak things of the world, to confuse the strong. God knows what he got. (laughs) It's not like he's surprised. He's never surprised when we say, God, I sinned. He never says, golly, Ed, I didn't know that. Tell me, how did that happen? So, Jesus is in a conversation with his disciples, and this is a serious one. This is his last opportunity. And he's going to tell them about these three fruits of the Spirit love, joy, and peace. Joy, first, 16 through 24. And then he talks about love, two kinds of love, or God's love on two levels, maybe is the better way to look at it. Verse 25 through 32. And then finally, in one verse, Peace, to have peace with God and with ourselves. That's where we're going. Verse 16, a little while, he says, and you will not see me. Now, the Greek language has two different words for see to visualize. And the first one, it's a little bit of a, it's Micron. it's a little bit of a mystery, a riddle. It's a hidden proverb, really. You will not see me, and then you will see me. So you'll not see me means to be hidden from you, and that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to be crucified on the cross and put in a grave for three days. And that's the beauty of looking back as we are. So we know exactly what he's saying. Disciples, they don't have a clue. He said, and again, in a little while, you will see me, and this means to appear Suddenly which is exactly what's going to happen. On Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, it's suddenly gonna appear after his death, burial, and then the resurrection. But they're confused. They're not following this conversation, which is good, because often I don't follow what God's trying to say to me either. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says in a little while, and you'll not see me, and again in a little while, you will see me because I go to the Father. They're, they're arguing quietly. Hey, John, what does he mean? I don't know. Ask James. Hey, James, what do you think? Blueless, man. Just crickets. I don't know. Verse 18. Then they said, therefore, what does this say he says a little while? We don't know what he's saying. We don't know what he means is common English, right? So a little while, that's part of the problem. When I say a little while, I mean like a minute or two. But God has a different timetable than that. Listen to Hebrews ten thirty seven. For yet a little while, and He was coming, Jesus. He was coming, will come, and will not tarry. Jesus is coming again. He said in a little while. That was two thousand years ago. Hebrews was <laughs> read. So, so, God has a different way of speaking about time. So. It must have been difficult for the disciples because Jesus is, of course, reading their minds as easily as you read a newspaper, right? Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while? They're going, oh, no, no, not us, you know. But Jesus is very approachable here, so he asks the question for them. Verse 20, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, Sanhedrin the Jewish leadership, they'll be excited. The Romans, they're happy. They're rejoicing. You'll be sorrowful. You'll weep. But your sorrow will be turned into joy on that day. Again, we understand what he's saying, but they're lost. So he an illustration of childbirth, verse 21. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because of her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to her child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Childbirth is a painful experience. It would appear me watching my wife (laughs) deliver both of our daughters. I was there cheering her on, don't misunderstand, but I don't think I have a clue. But the lesson here is the very thing that caused pain and sorrow, a baby being birthed, becomes the very thing that afterwards brings great joy. That little kid that she was screaming about just a few seconds earlier, Oh, my little sweetheart, kissing on it. Kid, just hurt you, seriously. 22, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one can take from you. Rejoice, joy. They'll never be able to take Jesus from you when you surrender to him. We'll come to that again. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most well, assuredly, certainly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, we saw this back a few verses where Jesus began to introduce the idea of praying in his name. Why now? They'd never done it before. They didn't realize this was God. For three and a half years, they'd been walking around with God, camping with him, you know, walking down the road, eating meals with him. So they never prayed, oh, Jesus, please help us now he says it's going to be different you pray in my name meaning the personality and the character and the nature of Jesus in in that day names were important you know we just name our kid after uncle so-and-so but in that day they waited for a characteristic of the baby to show up Jesus name Yeshua God saves God is salvation God is salvation, you pray in that name that God is my salvation, and he'll answer it. If you do it in the thing, the way, the will that God has for your life, and God will answer that. Now, we've laughed about that before together, you know. I've always thought God should give me one of those new Corvettes, you know. The 800 horsepower, almost one. And I bargained with God, you know, I said, God, I'll only drive it to church. I'll ask other people to come to church with me. And it surely, God, you can see it's an evangelistic tool. I need this. Ask in his name. Now, that doesn't mean over and out, good buddy, in Jesus' name kind of a thing. It's not like your handle. (laughs) It's the character of God, of Jesus, that you're praying in. 24, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. You didn't know. I'm trying to tell you, you will receive when you ask now that your joy may be full. So joy is this fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's result of being in you is love, joy, and peace, and, and the list goes on. He's just introducing them to the first three, and he starts with joy. Do you have joy? It is both a gift and a choice. It's a gift of God if you surrender your life to him and he's in your life. He'll give you that gift. But you must choose. You must say, I'm not going to be grumpy today. I'm going to choose to have the joy of God in my life. And I'm going to respond to people that way. I worked in a hospital for years and I had this one morning, I went into a room where there were two quite elderly ladies. They were almost 100 and they didn't know each other, but they just put them together because of their age. And, and so one lady was very pleasant, and the other lady was very grumpy, which is a warning to all of us as we get older. You can choose one or the other. And the lady that was joyful was awake, and so I went over and uh, the arterial blood gas, and, and so I was talking with her, and I said, So you have to hold it for five minutes with pressure so that the artery doesn't bleed. So I, I'm standing there for five minutes, and I said, So. Tell me about your life. And she said, oh, yeah, I have four kids, and it's just a wonderful life. I had a wonderful husband, and everything was wonderful. Everything was good. And she was joyful. And, and I thought, wow, well, what a pleasant lady. I finished and had to do the same procedure on the other woman, so I went over, and I had to wake her up, which was part of the problem. But And so I'm holding it, and I said, and tell me about your life. Why? <laughs> I'm going to be here. And I just thought I'd ask, tell me about yourself, which is always a good thing to say to somebody because we all like to talk about ourselves. And so she said, well, you know, I've had a hard life. I had three sons, and two of them were killed in the war. and The third one died an alcoholic. So yeah. life has been really... And it, she had a tough life. My husband and I argued a lot. And and then I, I dented the car fender, and man, he just blew up. He was... You know, I just hit the little edge of the carport. It wasn't like a big deal, but it was a den in his car, and he loved his car, and it just went on and on and on. And I said, well, when did that happen? She said, uh, what's now, 27 years ago? <laughs> I thought she was talking about yesterday. <laughs> Let it go is what I wanted to say, but I didn't say that. Joy, that your joy may be full, Jesus is saying. You could choose joy. Well, I don't want to want to feel sorry for myself. I want to whine. I want to snivel. Choose joy.
0: Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there, too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about, It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844 77 Grace. That's 844 77 Grace. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. all now build with hands and in this place God to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stands, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and
1: harmony. Let this world know me by
0: your love